0: Welcome to the JD and Turner show, the very first I'm the Turner bit and joining me is the always excellent JD. Welcome.
1: Hello, how are you?
0: I'm very good. It's uh, lovely to see you digitally and virtually uh, for the time being, but it is lovely to see you.
1: I've forgotten what people look like in 3D.
0: So do I. Like, I forget that people don't constantly have Zoom backgrounds behind them. I think that's one thing that's tripped me out. I went to the shops the other day and I just didn't see anything wacky or zany behind anyone.
1: I, I can't get mine to work, so... <laughs>
0: It'll work eventually. Eventually
1: we'll get there. I've had seven weeks to figure it out and I still haven't managed to do it. So I don't have much hope.
0: And a very early look behind the curtain, JD did try and uh, put herself into the background of a famous shot of a football team she supports and she blended completely into the background. So I felt like I was talking to a squad celebrating a cup victory.
1: I mean, it's not something that this particular team has a lot of experience with, Uh, but I am (laughs) also wearing the jersey that correlates to that win. Uh, So I'll just pretend I'm part of the team. It's fine.
0: As long as you're not wearing the shorts and the socks as well, I think there's With a John- term people give that as well.
1: <laughs> John-, John Terry? Is
0: that- yeah, yeah, that's right. Is that well, I was going to go-, go for something a bit more crass, but you know, we'll go for the John Terry. We'll go uh,
1: for the John Terry.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> or, you know, the,
0: the, yeah. That's probably the worst, um, the worst insult you can get, actually, and, and, and those who follow oh, so football. Made-
1: On so So, many levels.
0: Massively, exactly. (laughs)
1: It's a multi-layered insult there.
0: Definitely. Um, Look, during this isolation, I think everyone's been thinking about making a podcast. And, you know, we thought the same thing. We thought, you know what? Everyone needs another common or garden podcast for their current non-existent drives to work. Uh, We should probably give everyone a quick intro for those who aren't listening because they are, I guess, by social constructs obliged to listen to us um but in case you're wondering who you're listening to jd how would you best describe yourself to our dear listeners
1: i stole your term uh opinions on everything expert on nothing
0: i think that pretty much sums us both up right
1: yeah (laughs) (laughs) pretty much
0: but you're like a you're actually a proper journal as well i think we should we shouldn't gloss over that
1: Proper journal, which means I talk to the people who, who know what they're talking about and understand it. And then I put it into words and hope it makes sense.
0: That's how I the world works.
1: And then I won't get done for defamation. That's pretty much my daily, my daily job.
0: The daily job is uh, loosely plagiarizing people, but changing it to the extent at which you're not going to be charged for it. <laughs> <laughs> that's harsh michael <laughs> it is harsh oh we started early with the harsh calls um but you you do it, you're a big football fan as well uh you're a big sports fan i should say and uh you do a bit of commentary
1: i, I do i do it with local radio uh swi 99.9 they are for the a league and the and w league and matilda's matches we've managed to get a few of those in uh before everything fell apart so yeah it's,
0: you, you seem hesitant to give a plug, but, you know, this show's all about plugs go for, it. for ourselves. <laughs> please,
1: listen, please listen to me just uh, yelling at footballers, uh, pretending I'm not a Wanderers fan.
0: Uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> how, how well do you manage to hide that?
1: The, the, the problem is is when I, when I do call Sydney FC games, because they are the best in the country, and sometimes you do just sit there and go, oh, they're really good, and just from a football point of view, they're really good to watch. Uh, which also just hurts on a personal level.
0: You need to try and come across as genuine as you can as you, as yes. you like, impartially call the third goal as it flies past the Newcastle Jets keeper or whatever it might be.
1: Pretty much, and then sometimes when you're watching a Wanderers game and it's you know 90 minutes of absolutely nothing, there have been certain <laughs> games this season that have made me question my entire life and existence and if I even like sport. Uh, so.
0: Yeah, and I mean, you know, what's your you're fallback? Same, yeah, in I, I, I'm in the same boat, um, and and your fallback team is Middlesbrough and Hartlepool. So, um, hasn't yeah. been the best time for you as yeah, late.
1: I, I no, I mean, there's a lot of talk uh, over in in the UK about if they're going to keep the European leagues or if they're just going to void them. And as a Middlesbrough fan, please void them. We are very close to the bottom. Yeah. <laughs> please. <laughs>
0: if, if any time that. if any time for a lifeline now's yeah. the time you're looking yeah. to take that I'll, um I'll take we it. know each other through sport um i guess a brief intro on me um i do another podcast for the wanderers and uh, i do uh the match day stuff with the wanderers so I, i'm the loud guy if you actually attend wanderers games you might recognize my voice uh, and that's usually followed by turn this damn speaker down uh, because okay. the only time people pay attention to the MC is when it's too loud and uh, everyone complains. So that's me, I guess, in a nutshell. Uh, JD, slightly more qualified than I am to talk about what's happening in the news and what's happening week to week. But um, let's talk about that because you're in the news space and you sort of track that, you know a little bit about it. You know, from my view, it seems like it was a bit of a slow week, would you say?
1: It has been, which has been quite nice. I've I've been in the news world for a couple of years now and when everything with coronavirus and COVID sort of started up there was one week in particular where it just came out from all angles and and everyone in the newsroom was just I think we're a little bit overwhelmed uh, with just how much news was happening and how fast things were changing and you know we were coming off the bushfire season at least with that it was Australia-based and it was quite local and and we sort of knew where it was going with this it was international it was and it was from all angles and things were happening so fast you just you'd write something down and by the time you you filed it uh to your editor it was all wrong and it was all changed and so it's actually been uh quite nice to to be able to just look a little bit deeper now and not just sort of be doing breaking stories which is what it's felt like for the past couple of weeks or months deep now
0: I feel like you get a bit disillusioned, when you see the terms come up, I think I get, so I've subscribed to a lot of newspapers and there's this daily notification. I get three religiously and it's Brad Hazard is briefing the press on a new COVID-19 development or Gladys Berejiklian is briefing the press or Greg Hunt is briefing the press and you get these three and uh, I look at it and I go, yeah, it's probably just another one of keep going down at the app. We're, we're doing okay. Um, and it, you kind of get disillusioned by the term breaking news at this point, because everything COVID is breaking news and it's changing so quickly.
1: Exactly. And, and every state's different. That's the other thing is that, you know, we've got word coming from, from the, from federal, and then you break that down and all the states are doing their own thing and they're giving their own briefings every day. And we, you know, you get those, but we, we have the emails dropping into our inbox all the time. And some emails you go, why, why are you bothering <laughs> this? Is, there is nothing in this email. It was This was not worth my time.
0: And like, sometimes they can't even get the message right. The messaging right, I should say. Like even, even this morning at the time of recording, we're recording this on Sunday, but this, this morning, Dan T and education minister came out and he blasted the Victorian uh, approach. Um, and then a couple hours later, it came out that they had a, a big case and they're going to be shutting the schools there's a, there's a, a set of cases in, in one of the schools down there and they just can't get the information across but I mean I would gather you know from your experience this is probably down to how quickly everything's sort of happening it's this isn't a normal news cycle.
1: No I don't think it's not been a normal news cycle for, for quite a while but I think and that's the other thing is that everyone's listening to their own experts and that's the other thing is that everyone's got their own medical experts for this in the states and the territories who are telling them what to do that the premiers are doing what they think is best for their state but you've got the man at the top who wants to do what's you know he's looking at it he's looking at it from uh, i guess a blanket national perspective which may not work uh, in other areas and, and that this is why you have just got these messages coming from everywhere that are conflicting and and everything's everyone's saying different things
0: well thing i found really confusing and, and you know you're, you're in a good position to actually talk about this as well because you've studied law you have done that previously and you know the idea of separation of powers right you've got the federal level and then you've got delegated powers to the states and everything else is a federal matter and then you've got this idea that sorry all the way around um but you've got this idea that everyone's looking to the federal government about a certain issue the federal government's going Do we say something? Do we not say something? The states haven't said something. It's actually their matter. They come out and say something. And then the next day it gets contradicted because it's not actually their call. And you get this whole thing where it's almost like these guys, you know, I'm sure some of them are very competent politicians, but it's like they just don't know what to do. They just seem completely caught out by everything that's happening.
1: I think what will come out of this, you know, obviously you'd assume that we'd have a Royal Commission after this, is that there was no plan in place. There was this is such an and I hate to use I am so I hate this word and I'm so sorry unprecedented. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so sorry. We, it was such an unprecedented event that there was it just felt like there was nothing in place. They were making it up as they went along, and and we we I think they eventually did get it right, uh, but the, everyone had different ideas as what you were like and no one really knew who was, who was to make the calls in terms of the States and, and, you know, Dan Andrews down in Victoria was, was probably one of the, um, most forward premiers. He was sort of the one that laid a lot of the, I guess the stepping stones for how the rest of the country ended up following on Probably him and, and South, South Australia were probably the leaders in that term. Dan Andrews was very quick to, to shut things down. And, but you'd also have to wonder if there was a, unfortunately you, you, um, you'd you hope not, but with a little bit of politics at play, you know, you've got Liberal uh, v Labor going on there as well.
0: Mm. Well, you've seen that today actually with the whole TN and Andrews <laughs> yes. tea off, but um, Mark McGowan over in WA, he's, he's- bought himself a legion of fans. We had that guy at the press conference drive past and just scream obscenities, uh, not obscenities. It was actually, it was, it was him saying that he effing loved Mark McGowan and he came around for a second lap. But my favorite thing about this, I'm sure you saw this was that the the Auslan interpreter actually interpreted the message that he gave. And I just love the name, the the way it was interpreted. It really actually gave how uh, the context of the message.
1: I think it did. And it's actually uh, funny. You mentioned the Auslan uh, because there was, so much of Auslan is from facial expressions. That's how a lot of tone and uh, syntax comes across in, in, in Auslan and sign language across the world. And so with people wearing masks, that's actually being lost quite a bit. True. Uh, that's half half of their language. And so there are people out there making clear masks uh, for, for people, for Auslan
0: users. I've seen, actually, I did see something about that. Yeah, that's, that's yeah. quite cool. Yeah. yeah.
1: So just a little tangent there. You reminded yeah. me.
0: That's right. Tangents are the name of this show. Like, you know, we don't want to, we don't really want to talk too much about the serious stuff. In fact, we had a few people already ask us not to talk about COVID, but I feel like history might look at us a bit remiss if we started a podcast in <laughs> COVID without actually discussing it ever so slightly. But I, right, mean, I mean, it
1: is the reason we are doing it. sir.
0: I know exactly like you know there's no other reason why we're doing this like <laughs> um let's talk about like the idea of flattening the curve right because there's been a lot of these um comments that have come out like, all these buzzwords like i think the new one you know we've got flatten the curve which is the idea of flattening the spread to make sure it didn't go above the um if i'm correct the the number of in, uh, intensive care beds or, or spaces that was um, and that's just to protect the system but they've now got this idea that using the app is like the sunscreen so you get all this political messaging that they've started to intertwine into it I think categorically you'd agree well I, I at least think that they've successfully I guess flattened the curve for now
1: I Scott Morrison was very very smart in the way he worded uh his announcement the other day about the early mark australia was going to get he said as as a to, to congratulate and that aussies have earned it and that was really because there's been a lot of talk like oh it has not been that bad in australia why are we why are we in lockdown why are we brought in all these social distancing things and it's it it's crazy to me that people can't see the correlation between countries that didn't do it who have their, their uh, death rates and just not just, just not just their infection rates but their death rates are so much higher because their health systems can't cope with countries such as us in new zealand who have for the most part taken it really seriously and and we all we all just stayed at home we weren't going to to the front of a major battle we just had to stay in home and and it worked and you can see that in our numbers. You know, there we were on a really scary rise there for about a week and we flattened the curve, as they said.
0: So, like, you reckon the terminology used by Morrison here is, is one of, like, almost like, reinf- it's like psychological reinforcement of the point that world's done pat on the back. It's kind of uh, like treating Australians like children in the nicest possible way.
1: A hundred percent. I think it was a really, really smart way of of doing of saying things in that you you ha- obviously you have earned it by... Doing what we asked you to do, what the experts said, so that, and you know, we've we've managed to do this because they were looking at. Because you have to remember that the the uh, national cabinet was supposed to meet every four weeks to reevaluate mm. uh, social dist or the, the restrictions, which level we were going to be on, and they've brought that forward because we have managed to bring our numbers down. So quickly, I think yeah. South, since it's South Australia has not had like new cases in ten or eleven days now. Yeah, that's new right. Case. I think the uh, new,
0: new, ACT has net zero cases at the moment technically yeah. by the amount of oh sorry per day because the amount of people who've recovered or something like that.
1: Yeah, I know Tasmania didn't have any new cases yesterday, which time of recording was Saturday. Mm. So you know you look at and you look considering the disaster we had with ruby princess and all those type of things the fact that they managed to get a handle on that was was because of the way that the public acted and and scott morrison acknowledged that in a way that as you said psych that psychological sort of uh well done it. children <laughs> well done children you did it but it was a really it was a really a, 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 as i watched i thought it's a really smart way of wording things because I, I went down a rabbit hole and i highly recommend anyone else to do it please uh, on like Facebook, the coronavirus group chats are just immense. They are
0: they're- so, so. Like, what are those? Like the coronavirus group chats? I presume it's Corona- like the coronavirus people- itself. <laughs> yes, the group.
1: <laughs> so people, people talking about coronaviruses and but also conspiracy theorists oh, and yeah. <laughs> who are just incredible on so many levels. Uh, and I have been down the rabbit hole with those with uh, a few times now. And there are so many people who just don't see how the social distancing has worked and think it was such a waste of
0: time. And just it's want like, scream. I, I wanted to bring that up because obviously we had the scenes of Bondi a couple of weeks ago about all the people at the beach and um, people sort of, they use the term flouting social distancing rules and all that kind of stuff. And obviously we've seen what's happened in the U S in the last couple of days, but um, I remember seeing this, uh, I guess it was a, an art, not an artwork. It's like a, video, I guess it was. It was like all the mouse traps and it showed how social distancing worked and when they're all next to each other, all the mouse traps go nuts. But when they were split and spread, there was only a few going off. And there's a few yeah. of these sort of videos to to explain it. But there are obviously people out there who aren't taking it seriously and don't understand how social isolation worked. And we've seen that with the busy Bondi beaches. So I mean this must concern you, this must annoy you as much as it does me, right?
1: You just have to look at where the clusters are in Sydney to notice that Bondi and those eastern suburbs have the highest numbers in New South Wales in terms of clusters. And they funny that happened just after there were, you know, thousands of people on a beach
0: together. Yeah. <laughs> a bunch of backpackers having uh, parties on their rooftops. Uh, yeah, and all who
1: would have thought that would have happened? It, 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 it was frustrating. You, the, Whenever the pictures came up, and I mean, not just even as a journalist, but just as another person, you know, I genuinely have not did not leave my house for seven weeks. Uh, I think I went into my office once, and that was it. Uh, other than that, I didn't leave my house. And
0: Now you've gone crazy enough to start a podcast. <laughs>
1: no, <we're crazy. laughs> just let me talk to somebody, please. <laughs> yeah.
0: um, what do you think of the stuff that we've seen out of the US in the last couple of days? Because you've got it's, – it's troubled me, right, because it's just – some of the pictures, um, they're likening it to, you know, more serious issues and, and, and I can't remember the exact poster. Was one, one that they likened the poster. It was something to do with COVID-19 or self-social isolation is, is, is communism or socialism or something like that. And, you, and Not to get into the political side of the debate at all, but I see all that and I just go, you guys need to choose a better hill to die on. Like, this is not.
1: <laughs> well, they, they are choosing a hill to die on. It's called coronavirus. Yeah,
0: true. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> that is true. their hill. Even today, there was scenes of I think protests on the on the streets of Santa Monica in California, and I just wonder, like, how can you be without with, without risking the ire? And I don't think they'll be listening of, of some of our potential American listeners in maybe five <laughs> years' time when they rediscover us and try to slam us or something. But um, but that, how can you live in the, one of the richest countries or economies and be that dumb?
1: It, it, I'm scared for the education system. Yeah, and and this is a. It, America, like you said, we're not going to get into the political side of things, but America just amazes me on so, so many levels and just the sort of, their disdain for helping others. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It's just, you know, universal healthcare. No, we don't need that. Uh, You know, being a a global player. I just, the whole country, and obviously this is a massive generalization, just, it boggles, boggles the mind.
0: And like, the thing that I don't, The thing that, like the thing that I, and you're right, like, you know, I've already mentioned not making it political, but the idea of universal healthcare for me, is not a political point. Like it's, It's like, it's
1: just,
0: you you take the concept away from politics and you go, all right, we're going to put some money in a kitty that when people get sick, whether you can afford it or you can't afford it normally, it'll be funded by the government and this, this this pool of money in the same way that roads do through your taxes and this so it means that you can access important healthcare that just like we take about the politics from it how is that a no who's it's, turning around going hang on I don't like the idea of that you must pay for your own medical you know supplies or, or services or whatever it's
1: just so incredibly bizarre to, exactly and I think we've grown up obviously in Australia and we've had universal healthcare yeah and <laughs> It's just what, so bizarre.
0: What do you think of like... like? Uh, I know that you would obviously follow more the Australian side of things, but like Donald Trump, right? This whole way this has played out for him, it it's like a sitcom. Like it just day one he's like oh no it's just one person from China and then all of a sudden the typical comedic landslide of cases like (laughs) as as fun as I put in quotes the word comedic there obviously it's not funny but you know the idea that the whole landslide of cases happening oh we've got it well under control everything he says gets completely contradicted and it's kind of funny if it wasn't actually such a dire um uh, problem or pandemic
1: he he is I, oh, how do I say this? He is a slight genius in the <laughs> way oh, bear it's, with me
0: that's been, that's been quoted by the yeah. way
1: <laughs> That's it this is yes. the end of everything in the way he has managed his, his followers and I think that's the other thing is the fact that Trump doesn't have like su- supporters or you know his voters, he has followers mm. like he's some messiah he's just a very naughty boy Uh <laughs> he he, the way he can like sort of controls them and, and says no the media is lying to you and they just believe it they just believe whatever he says at that second is what they believe and it's like they just forget anything that's happened before it's very 1984 uh, two plus two equals five. Yeah, <laughs> it's very, very. Whenever I see it, it just reminds me of
0: that. <laughs> Do you know? I quite liked. Um, you know, not to harp too much on Trump, but I really liked the other day. I think CBS and and a few other networks. I think probably uh, probably not Fox, but all the other ones, ABC, uh, over in the US. They all said that they were no longer gonna stream um, or show Trump's briefings, the daily briefings, or. Every second day it was, um, because they no longer believe it's in the, the interests of the public, which I think, I think is great. I think,
1: I think you know when you have a president telling people, uh, or not telling people, I shouldn't say that, uh, suggesting that maybe drinking disinfectant <laughs> would <It's>... help <laughs> cleanse. And then there's there's a there's a slight there's a rise in the number of emergency calls. Uh, after people have drunk disinfectant, and I couldn't and a, believe that. And a certain and a certain person who may have said these things says, "I don't know why there's been an increase in these things." <laughs> yeah. um, also, it was sarcasm. You don't get sarcasm.
0: Yeah, I was quite clearly being a comedic genius. Like, move <laughs> yeah. over to Seinfeld and Cherry Springer. <laughs> uh,
1: and yeah, I, I can't. And there was, uh, I'm going to butcher this name. The Fauci no, 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 no. The Hydroxychlorine.
0: Oh, right. Sorry.
1: Yeah. Uh, one as well. People, I mean, to be fair, people were eating, were digesting a very toxic version of the stuff. <laughs> but but uh, just, yeah, I have no idea why, why they would do that.
0: I feel bad for laughing at the situation, but it's just, again, it's just so comedic. It's one the thing you look, in, look at in 20 years and it's a case study for human behavior or some sort of political it, study. On it really is. Ideals.
1: It really is. And I think that's the, the crazy thing is, you know, we, in our history books, we've, we you know, Spanish influenza
0: mm. and,
1: and then, you know, polio and, and I, I know older people who had polio as as children and ended up with slight paralysis and that kind of thing. And, you know, we all look back on those times as such a uh, like so far in the past and that could never happen. But Realistically, we're living in that now, and you know, in fifty years' time, we're going to be the ones in the history book, and future generations are going to be judging us on what we're doing. And there are certain places that not going to get top marks.
0: Yeah, I, I definitely agree. Some areas will be ridiculed, I think, as well. um You mentioned at the start, actually, I was going to bring this up, but I, th- I think I'll bring it up now. Um, you sort of said you hate the word; it's unprecedented, and that the idea that, like there's been groups like the bill and Melinda Gates foundations, one of them. um, And I know, South Korea and, and most Asian nations take this quite seriously. They have very solid contingency plans in place for these instances because there are groups out there. And if anyone's watched pandemic on Netflix, I implore you to actually start watching that. It's actually really good, but it's the idea that this is, this is not unprecedented and it's not, it was not unexpected. There were people who were saying that this was bound to happen for years and years and years. Bill and Melinda Gates said, I think, you know, Bill Gates said in a, uh, not a press conference, but a seminar or a Ted talk like five years ago that we are due a massive pandemic event and the people aren't ready it's like people have been yelling and screaming from the rooftops get ready something will happen the evidence is here no one's paid attention like donald trump cut the pandemic or the the actual i think they had a certain department for it cut all the funding for it obviously we didn't have too much of a too much of a plan here we're just lucky we have um, more closed borders and we're more isolated so is that same reason why you think you hate the fact that people say unprecedented, and you know it was unexpected?
1: I I, I hate the word unprecedented because we just came off a summer of unprecedented bushfires.
0: So, records this year. <laughs>
1: <but> <laughs> so I just feel like I've been using the word unprecedented for about six months. But you are correct, and you do look back at history, and every feels like every fifty years there's some sort of pandemic sweeps through, and um, I dare I use the word population control? uh and but you know that's you you, that's exactly what's happened and but i think what's a little bit unprecedented about this is the effect it's had on economies and the world previously with the world has not been as interconnected as, as dare i say global as it is now in terms of how you know traveling and that kind of thing has obviously is has never been like it is as it is today and maybe that's why it feels like everything is just falling apart, because everywhere's collapsed.
0: Do you feel like there's a degree of normalcy that's kept together by, I mean, we're using Zoom right now, and, and before COVID, a lot of people had no idea what Zoom actually was. And then now it's this tool that a big business around the world is using. And it's this idea that while you're right, the interconnectivity of the world and the global economy has caused you know such a flow-on effect of COVID, but it's the interconnectivity and the, the internet age and, and how connected we are that's actually kept some businesses afloat. Like you can still do your job from home in the media game. I'm still lucky to be able to do my job. There are people out there who are able to do, you know, every single task, the exact same from the comfort of their home. So you've got this, it's like a double-edged sword, right? I, I
1: think you, you, you even maybe 10 year ago, 10, 15 year ago, you'd, you'd think how would we have been able to sustain and obviously a lot of people have lost their jobs. There's no, uh, escaping that, but a lot of people have moved to working from home. If we would have been able to do it on the scale that we have, if it might've been a bit worse, 10, 50, or even 20 years ago. Yeah. Because they, like you said, the internet and, and that wouldn't have been around or wouldn't have had the capability to, to support what infrastructure can now.
0: What do you think of, um, the COVID Safe app, to just sort of bring everything back home. So like, have you downloaded it yourself? Or
1: uh, I have not downloaded it purely because I've not left my house.
0: Fair enough. <laughs> <So Yeah. laughs>
1: I've not had a reason to, but I probably really should. I, I probably will uh, when uh, when I go back into the office, and I I think you know, call me a sheep, whatever you want, but I do trust <laughs> the government that you know privacy laws. The the only people that access it are the health the the trace the contact tracers. My only the only thing I have um, about the app is if it was rushed. Yeah. Because a lot of the contract tracing facilities each state will have their own has not actually been have, have not gone live yet. So the app is at the moment it's not that it's useless. It's still recording your 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 data and and. Uh, who you've come into contact with but it it's not it's not actually being used at the moment yeah so it won't be used till next week when all these facilities eventually go live uh, and then they will have to if you do become positive or someone else that you've come into contact with so at the moment there's still like a week uh of delay
0: yeah do you think like there's a lot of people who are going on about the whole privacy side of it and you know you, you mentioned right there that not not to not to really like poke the bear of all the conspiracy theorists that I'm sure <laughs> no, jump on any chance.
1: My favorite, my favorite thing about these conspiracy theorists saying that oh the apps going to take my, my information is that they're posting this on Facebook yeah. and <laughs> <That> I just, <laughs> I just can't get my head around it. Like you, yeah. you, do, you have heard of Cambridge Analytica, right? <laughs> and
0: like, even, you know, I've, I've managed to find information about people just based on what they've put on their Facebook about me. And you look at that and go, <laughs> I could easily whittle down 90% as to who i think you are mr um this is fake anonymous but like yeah you're right like you get all these people that and like and i i I sort of risk incurring the wrath of people who are a bit more privacy aware here but and I, i certainly have a very Publicish profile. I'm not really that fussed if people know who I am, but like people, you're not that interesting. That a lot of people, and I get that there, it's a slippery slope, and there's there's you know entities you want to protect yourself from, and you obviously want to have some sort of distance from the government. I get all that, but like, mate, you're not that interesting. Like you,
1: exactly, you you you, John Smith from western sydney what what do you have to hide
0: yeah like and it's not the idea that oh, you've only got something to hide if you're a criminal it's like you your life isn't interesting enough to for anyone to actually bother like
1: no and i've always you know there's all these conspiracy theories that um you know the 5g and the the vaccine that's going to put the chip in you and then you're going to be controlled by 5g if somebody could control me and like you know get my life in order I'm so okay with that. <laughs>
0: yeah, that's fine with me.
1: <laughs> yeah, they can't make a mess of it more than I have. And you know what? I,
0: you know what? I, I, that annoys me. It's like, what, what's why bother with the apps when they've obviously just recharged all the birds? So just use the newly recharged <laughs> pigeons to just track where everyone is and tra- trace COVID because it was a five G based what transmission initially. You surely, surely be able to find all the other transmissions. So <laughs>
1: exactly. we've
0: solved it and we're going to be clipped and played in some conspiracy theorists uh, forum. I'm sure now that we've said all this, exactly. Look, you know, anything to get podcast views. Um, So they're talking about reducing the the lockdown rules and sort of reducing the uh, the level that we're at now. I think state, I mean, it's a state based thing mostly, but there are some federal provisions as well. Uh, Do you think it's too early? Uh,
1: I don't think so. I think I think they've got a good handle on it. Yeah and the com- the community the community uh transmissions of disease is the really big one they They know where for the most part they know where each case has come from how they've how it's been transmitted, and they have been overseas and it's you know usually a immediate family or that kind of thing that that do become the follow-on cases because of that community transmission transmission being so low I, I, I think
0: it's okay do you know and, and like i think my always what my worry here is they're going to lower the restrictions and then next week i'm going to go out to the park and there's just going to be like sixty thousand people there walking their dog or talking or chatting and yeah do you, do you get do you think that's a potential risk people sort of going oh everything's all good now and there's i guess what's uh, i mean there's a far better term for what i'm poorly trying to describe it's like let the guard down too much
1: we're going to get a second wave well I, I look at places like Singapore who did so well to flatten the curve on that, on that in the first place, they were one of the first countries to really bring it down. And then they did get hit with that second wave, which ended up being so much worse than the first. Yeah. And that's what, that's what they've always said about Australia and, and New Zealand as well. Yeah. And the second wave will just be so much worse.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I have such conflicting feelings about this
0: about this term that you're about to use
1: no 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 no. just about the whole second wave thing oh right because there's the idea of herd immunity and i think scott morrison said sort of at the beginning of this that it's inevitable that probably most people will end up contracting COVID at some point it's about slowing slowing it down and making it so that people uh, so that the health systems can cope yeah That was, it wasn't so much of, okay, we're going to get rid of it. It's about slowing it down.
0: Mm. Yeah. So. And like Boris Johnson and in the UK, (laughs) he's, he's, you know, he's a comedic figure in his own right. And I dare say we'll be talking about him over the course of some other shows as well, but Boris Johnson came out and talked about herd immunity at the very start. And then you have this, herd immunity is like quite a controversial point because you get people who, who sort of turn around and say, yes, that's the way to go. And I think it's Sweden that is actually looking at that model uh, and a lot of people are actively tracking it because they think this could be an interesting model to see how the virus reacts in society as an, in, I guess, normal um, societal... Uh, operation um but when boris johnson said well let's look at herd immunity he got absolutely slammed in the media for it and by health professionals around the world but then you had some which said well actually there there is something to herd immunity
1: I, I think what what went wrong with herd immunity is that there was actually no proof that this could work for covid because people are testing positive again
0: yeah
1: i think it is is it paulo bala the the juventus footballer he's yes. like he's seven weeks he's now been testing positive for it
0: <laughs> okay. or something ridiculous yeah
1: so there's there's no idea that oh hang on a minute people are actually building up an immunity to it they're just getting reinfected and you can't build up herd immunity if there is no immunity to build up if that make any sense
0: yeah <laughs> <laughs> Let's um let's talk about something a little bit more lighthearted to do with COVID, right? So there's like a happy side effect to the whole COVID situation. I know that's a funny statement, <laughs> <What>? an odd <laughs> statement to say, but like there's like a slight side effect at the moment we're seeing with COVID-19 is that we have we've actually got cheap petrol prices at the moment. And you've got this whole thing about the economy is doing all these different things, but petrol is actually really cheap. But it's frustrating that petrol's cheap, we can't really drive anywhere. So it's like again, at Catch 22. Like I think I saw petrol prices what 78 cents for E 10 in, in the West. I think they reported on channel 10 the other day. So like I saw that and went, this is the nineties or eighties all over again. It's this crazy. is
1: incredible. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, 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 I spoke to Peter Curie from the NRMA and he's, he's one of their main spokesperson. And I asked him about this, you know, what sort of, what are we looking at in terms of a, a timeline here for petrol prices? And this was a, couple of weeks ago now and he he said uh, then he said prices should continue to fall yeah which they did um so about now they should be sort of plateauing a little bit and when we are allowed to go back to normal whatever that may be we should see petrol prices stay that low for a little bit longer because there's a surplus supply because it's Mm. not just it's not just like car petrol that's not being used as well obviously a lot of the jet fuel and and industrial kind of stuff isn't being used imagine how much imagine just think of all the jet fuel that's not being used at the Mm. moment
0: yeah that's right you
1: just have to look and actually see the sky and realize and and so there will be a massive surplus because a lot of the big oil fields didn't actually start reducing their supply until uh only in the last couple of days they've actually reduced their supply. So. There will be a world surplus that we have to work our way through, which will keep prices down for a little bit longer until and also the the other thing to think about is that if we 're not just going to wake up one day and the world 's going to be back to normal yeah. it 's going to be a really slow process because you know some countries are obviously further along in this than than others, so while we we may start seeing normal things as normal life resume, the rest of the world particularly you know you look at america you can't Mm. imagine imagine things going back to normal too soon there
0: goodness no i mean things (laughs) what is normal for america these days (laughs) like that's true
1: uh and so the so australia might be using the oil supplies but the rest of the world won't be as well so we might so we could
0: have like cheap fuel for a while
1: fingers crossed. Well hopefully. Fingers- That'll be hopefully, really hopefully <laughs> when we can you know go further than down the street to get essentials.
0: I feel like that's like the feel-good story of the economic section of the news at the moment, like everything's just <laughs> seeming so dow version. This this job, stocks, etc. But I mean, in good news, it's like the puppy story, the puppy riding a surfboard or a skateboard <laughs> story of like the I, economic news.
1: On a really selfish note, I'm looking for a new place to live at the moment, and rent prices are fantastic. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah. Well, like, I the thing is, say. if people are out there looking, like you may again, it all comes down to supply and demand when it comes to this economic stuff. So, you know, yeah. It's, House it's, hunting.
1: House hunting, it's it's a really awful, awful situation because you are looking at these places thinking, oh no, you know why they're on the market because unfortunately these mm. people probably lost their jobs and can no longer pay rent. Uh but also cheap for me.
0: Yeah, that's right. Well, look, you know, there's a silver lining, I think the saying goes. But like on economic on the economic side of things, right, everyone's talking about things will go back to normal, but then they're also saying, you know, from a business and jobs perspective, and I guess the economy things won't be normal for this is there will be a new normal like it, it won't be back where it was you know pre covid i think dominic parita said in the news he was talking mm-hmm. about stamp duty reform but he said we can't come into this with a pre covid mindset we need to look at this as a post covid thing like everything's going to be so different and i guess there's legitimate fears like the we'll be paying off you know, not to say it's a bad thing, I'm not saying it's a bad debt, but we'll be paying off the reparations of this for what, you know, the next 10 to 15 years potentially. So like things will go back to normal, but what will normal look like? It won't be what we expect. I think I'm trying to say.
1: I I think what this has highlighted is that the way things were being done and I'm no economic expert whatsoever. I do not claim uh, to be what in (laughs) any capacity. (laughs) But I think they're probably will be a view that the way things were being run, this is a really, it's a really big reset for everything. This and like,
0: is... I think Qantas came out and said, they'll talk about the bailouts for Virgin at the time, but they said, you can't bail out Virgin because you can't reward a company for being run poorly. And it's, you know, this idea that businesses are going to have to rethink everything about how they run and how they save money and how they invest.
1: And it's exactly, and you know, the fact that so many places went, bus so quickly and had mm. no and just had no plan to within weeks you know the it felt like everything had fallen apart that's i mean the scale of this is probably not what a lot of people had um planned for but the fact yeah. that it felt like there were no plans a lot of places just had nothing
0: it's like they'll literally just go, everything's amazing. We're just going to keep making money. Or in the case yeah. of Virgin, we're just going to keep borrowing money yeah. to supplement our further losses. So it's
1: Exactly. And 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 to have, you think of how much money Virgin, you'd imagine Virgin would have stockpiles of money. Mm. Uh, and they just didn't. It just, it's 21. gone. Yeah. <laughs> it went so quickly. And you, you just think, how can you, yeah that's not sustainable as a business as we have found i think that's the big thing is that a lot of people will or businesses should use this as a as a way of restarting in a way that is sustainable
0: uh, we had someone actually message about this or rather ask the question about this in that you've got this you know manufacturing um, i guess trend where everything has been done overseas china india thailand etc everywhere across the subcontinent and they there's a lot of people now saying that we were heavily affected because of restricted trade, less things coming in, worries about um, transmitting through, you know, goods and goods, rather I should say not services goods being sent over to Australia. Do you think you could see we may see a resurgence of manufacturing in, in Australia based on the back of COVID, like people are going to start going, you know what? Well, we've just, we'll make a whole ton of sanitizer out of our brewery. Let's actually keep that going as a side business. I mean,
1: it all comes down to the bottom line. If it's, Unfortunately, we it it comes down to what a post COVID world would look like. But so many of our big industries, particularly you know, you look at the car industry in Australia, they just weren't sustainable at in Australia because they're so expensive, and that's why they did move to those places that you mentioned. And unless you you have to think, unless a post COVID world is different, mm. the manufacturing costs at the end of the day will still make things too too expensive to run in australia and i know that sounds awful and we mm. should be doing australia made and all that but the bot it's always down to the bottom line
0: like the but the reality is like you know to the consumer i mean if you were to ask me the question and i'm proposing that you are now asking me the question of um, would you would um would i pay more for an australian made item i don't know if the answer is yes like in, in a lot of cases the answer would probably be no i won't because i just there's no extra benefit aside from feeling good that i bought something australian made like that sounds terrible i know but you know i'm not necessarily going to fork out an extra 20 bucks for a shirt that's exactly the same it was just happened to be made here um and i you know i feel that a lot of australians coming out of COVID not going to have as much money to go out and spend on discretionary items they might be in the same position where they're not going to spend extra just because it's australian made although on the flip side maybe they will because this i guess increased patriotism about buy australian because we need to protect ourselves because of what has just happened and all flow back it could be the opposite
1: but there's also that you know will that mentality how long does that mentality last for because mm-hmm. you know coming out of this like you said that patriotic feeling about things people will want to do that but at you know, in a few months time, if you've done that quite a lot, you, you add up all the extra expense you've now uh, paid out mm. further down. You might think, Oh, maybe that wasn't worth it. Or I can't do this now because I have spent the money here.
0: Yeah. Let's um close off on COVID once and for all, because I feel like, you know, we've done that. We can shelve that away. You know, those Never people who are saying, again. please don't talk about COVID if you're starting a podcast and we've just gone and done it. But let's go a bit more lighthearted. More lighthearted than the cheap petrol prices. Let's talk about something that you actually reported on this week. But the cutest Zoom meeting ever. Talk to us about that.
1: So Guide Dogs Australia. Yes. Uh cutest Zoom meeting ever. They had some of their trusty guide dogs on a Zoom meeting uh at lunchtime I think it was Wednesday. And about two thousand people joined their Zoom meeting to, and it was to obviously raise awareness about Guide Dogs Australia and sort of the training uh, that goes into a guide dog. It's about a two-year process to to get a guide dog uh, trained before they even meet their uh, the person that they'll be living with.
0: Two and a half years now with the Zoom training that they have to now undertake. <laughs> yeah, to Zoom yeah, no, Zoom training.
1: And uh, there was, I think, three-week-old aptly named Zoom puppy, aptly named Zoom. Oh, no, nice. Uh, <laughs> Was, was present as well. And it was a lovely little lunchtime, lunchtime break.
0: So were you on the call?
1: I chimed in for a few seconds, just, uh, just to sort of see the puppies. And then
0: a few, like cuteness overload and you just.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It was too much.
0: (laughs) So that's, that's like an initiative for the guide dogs. They do amazing work? I should add.
1: Yes. And, and so they, they, that was sort of, uh, to raise awareness because obviously the dogs get, will get fostered for the first sort of a few months of their lives um until they entered the very intense training process uh, and then if they make it through that uh then they get matched
0: there we go I, well, a lot of very good boys i'm sure on that yes, on that i do i do i do
1: i do know of a of a dog who failed uh Aww. training but he used to, he he was too smart he worked out that he just he didn't have to do it if he didn't want to <laughs>
0: Calling the dog too smart as in having (laughs) failed. It sounds like, you know, like a real cop-out. Like he was was just too smart for the disciplinary structure.
1: But he used to do things like if he used to just randomly bring socks to people or (laughs) just turn off lights because he could. So he had all all these skills but was too just knew that he didn't have to do them if he didn't want so to So he
0: like learn all the pivotal skills all these amazing things that so many dogs would kill to learn like to know how to do all these things yeah and he's going you know what i'm going to use my panels for evil
1: yeah pretty much he he knew how to put on it take on and off socks and say so you'd be sitting on the lounge you'd come in and take your sock off and
0: <laughs> well actually this works out quite aptly this pranks the dog i think um could have a new owner because there's a a certain prankster that we found on the back pages this week. Again, you reported on this one again uh, as well, I should say, but you know, there wasn't much tennis going on, but Stefanos Tsitsipas, I think if I pronounced that correctly, he served up one hell of a practical joke.
1: Oh, I'm out. See ya.
0: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I was really looking forward to delivering that line. Um, You're a big fan of the sports ball um, and Tsitsipas, the, uh, the, he was too smart for for Kyrgios, I think. In this instance, to, like, tell us what happened here. What happened in this story?
1: So Sitsapas, bless him, left a, had a little present for Nick Kirios who celebrated his twenty fifth birthday this week.
0: Happy birthday, Nick!
1: Happy happy birthday! It wasn't it wasn't a very happy birthday for him actually. <laughs> uh, Sitsapas posted a photo. There's there's the the viral Instagram guy, dude with sign.
0: Oh yeah. Uh,
1: who holds brilliant signs up? And Sits Pass uh, did his version of it and on it was a mobile phone number. And it was an Australian mobile phone number. And in the comments, Nick Curious left a, you're an idiot. Um, <laughs> thanks, please stop calling me. It turned out to actually be Curious's number.
0: I love that.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's like, so good.
0: Like that uh, is a top prank if you ask me. Like, if you've got that public profile.
1: Like... <laughs> yes, and Tsitsipas is is obviously well well liked in Australia. He had he's had quite uh, a couple of good runs uh, at Australian tournaments, and obviously playing in Melbourne
0: mm.
1: uh, with a Greek population.
0: Oh yeah, of course. That's I, I,
1: I highly I highly recommend if you ever do get to uh, get to go to the Australian Open, go to a game featuring a Greek or Cypriot player. Uh, it <laughs> it is one of the best nights you will ever have.
0: Well, I remember Baghdatis used to have a massive following uh, for the same reason, I, I presume.
1: Well, there was one year I ended up at a Baghdadis match it was on a free court and it was about three o'clock in the morning it was a five setter and oh. we'd we, we were one of the last people in and we didn't realize about halfway through the match we were actually sitting in Baghdadis's player box next to his brother
0: oh, wow
1: really red yeah, yeah super <laughs> random uh and it was it was a Incredible night, highly recommend uh, seeing a great player. Anyway, so he's quite my point was it's fast as quite Australian following, uh, yeah, uh, to, to, uh, to do one on an Australian player like that. So poor Nick, uh, then shared screen recordings of all the calls and messages and
0: whatnot. I believe he's since here. disabled his, his uh, phone number, hasn't he?
1: Yes, I, I do not blame the guy. No, like uh, he, he, he left quite a few messages on Instagram, and like please, please stop
0: i saw um a fair few people um there was like a few screenshots of the messages he was getting and they were like people who were like genuinely just trying to hang out with the guy like as in they kind of caught on it was nick curious and like hey nick come hang out at here, or hey man if you're ever around the area let's hang out it's like well he's not going to do that is he a random bloke who stalked stefano sits got your phone number you found out it's curious he's not going to hang out with your mate but look i mean fair I mean, play hey- for the hustle
1: you're not going to get anywhere if you don't ask.
0: <laughs> no, that's true. That's very true. So um, what's the best prank you? Have you played, have you played you a bit of a prankster, JD? No. In the newsroom? In the newsroom, no. Stitched up someone's copy?
1: Stitched up. No, I wouldn't dare. I would <laughs> never do that because if <laughs> it ever got published, would be absolutely screwed.
0: Yeah, true. I should do you remember that. <laughs> um, was it the Financial Review printed a front page in WA? It only went out in WA for some reason. I think they must have printed early or something. Someone had sent the front page copy in the cms system whatever they use early and it hadn't filled out everything so it had like in one of the dot points on their front page it had like the world is going to end and all this other <laughs> sort of stuff and I, I think there may have been a swear word in. know i can't quite remember that for sure but it actually did go to print in, in oh that's WA. terrifying
1: that is a that is a terrifying thought
0: and there was another one i remember um this was probably about two years ago now and the daily telegraph um had in their second page in there. Cause I obviously print in the same place at the Herald, the Sydney Morning Herald. Um, and so they'd printed a whole, there was probably I think about a thousand of them of the daily, but the second page was actually the second page from the Herald. I <laughs> so, vaguely remember this. Yeah. <laughs> and someone at any point realized it because they flicked open and, for, this is my memory, my recollection of it, and they looked at the banner out at the bottom. and It's one of those for the paper itself. So, if yeah. looking at reading the day's off and they're seeing an ads for the city morning herald, and they've gone, <laughs> What the heck is going on? <laughs> Someone was fired that day in a Trilora yes. printing press, I think. <laughs>
1: <laughs> what about you? I feel like I feel like
0: uh, I don't know if there's many I can put to air. Um, pranks, <laughs> I've done a few, um, most of them are a bit juvenile, you know, you, you buy those fart bombs at your corner store and all that like i mean the extent of my pranks i think probably were uh, in my school days it's actually yeah i can't even think of any now i
1: was no i'm quite dull
0: i wasn't maybe i just wasn't that good at prankster and there actually aren't any like i feel like there were (laughs) but i got dumped because of a prank call one so when you ate yeah i was um as a girl i was you know, as much as you can date someone in your age, but we're dating in quotations. <laughs> and um, I, pr- for some reason, was convinced on the school bus on the way to school um, to prank call her parents. So I did oh. that, you know, going along with the peer pressure. I did it. I went to school. One of her friends said, oh, she's, she's really upset. So I I did the did the right thing and and cowardly cowered around the um, bubblers, and didn't talk to her until like second or third period, and um, then she pretty much told me that we were over, and I was like, well, that that was six weeks down the drain. So six
1: weeks (laughs) of your young life. Six weeks of my yeah,
0: which felt like years, by (laughs) the way. Like we we were like I was planning the wedding and everything. (laughs) Let's, um, let's move on. We've talked about what's making the news. Um, let's do a bit of an education. We've whipped together a small segment um, that you'd asked for. Um, and because you're a resident wordsmith and like I'm I'll, I'll padding here so you can actually <laughs> play this segment out. But um, you quite like these British comedy shows, like these game shows, right? I'm the same. I quite love them. Uh, one in particular is 8 out of 10 cats does Countdown. And they've got this thing called Dictionary Corner. And I feel like you feel like you're actually Susie Dent. So, I,
1: I I I do not claim whatsoever.
0: Is uh, the D in your in JD Stanford?
1: Yeah, yes, cadence yeah. yes. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to be Susie. Susie is just a beautiful human on so many levels.
0: She's actually lovely. I, I I really like her because she can actually serve the insults back at Jimmy Carr, but she also takes the. She she doesn't appear like she doesn't. Lo- it's like she's elevated above them all like she's better than them all. and every so often she l- she lowers herself down to to serve <laughs> see, something back
1: I, I read uh an interview of hers and she said when they when they first started doing the eight out of ten cats version of countdown everyone was so respectful because it's Susie Dent. everyone yeah. was so respectful <laughs> to her and the the other ho- co-host on the show rachel riley they you know she obviously was she, she was always uh they would make a lot of fun of her and mm and have a go at her, but they were always so respectful of Susie and never really made any derogative jokes towards her. And it wasn't, she said in this interview when they, she didn't feel a part of the show until,
0: Oh right!
1: Until she was a part of the jokes because she felt like she was never in on the joke.
0: Yeah. Okay.
1: And so she actually said she actually enjoys, you know, all all of Jimmy's sex jokes and stuff because it makes <laughs> her feel a part of the show. Part of the that's, show. Yeah. That's such a weird. Like, I enjoy being sexually harassed at my job.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's right. And like, you know, it's it's kind of a weird fine line, right? And this is probably a whole other debate. We won't get into this. But like, I always find it a bit disconcerting when I watch it because I know it's in good fun, and I I, I understand that they. They know what they're getting into, but in part of my mind, I'm like, "Are they actually okay with these jokes?" Like, I have this moment where before I laugh at it. I go, <gasps> "Let me just check the facial expression." And then Susie always sometimes seems a bit put off by it. So I was like, "Oh, I'm not gonna laugh," even though she can't see me. I'm not hurting her if yeah. I do laugh, but
1: it it I, always gets me. What my favorite thing about Susie is is for somebody who has such a, a depth of knowledge of the English language, and you know, expert her expert subject. Uh, hmm. The way uh, have, certain things she says can be interpreted, she she make you know a, an innuendo without even realizing that she's done it. for somebody who is <laughs> somebody who is so well versed in the English language, she gets it wrong <laughs> on, in the context of the show so many <laughs> yeah.
0: times. Uh, to be I reckon we could talk about eight out of, cat, eight out of we ten. We could just have
1: cats. a show
0: <laughs> We might do that. But look, you're a resident wordsmith. Um, Am I? You are you have a bit of a love-hate relationship with words, I would say. I think that's pro- probably the best way to summarise it. We thought we'd give um, our listeners a look inside your dictionary. And uh, we want to run a word that really should be getting a bit more of a run in society. So what word have you got for us this week?
1: You, you said it. You said it earlier and you said it earlier this week, which gave me...
0: Uh, Wait, did I say it on the show? You Already? said it.
1: Yes, you said oh. it about... Yes, you said it about a couple of minutes ago. I think as you were introducing this topic. Oh, did I? <laughs> <laughs> You said it and I was like, that's a word I do not use enough and it's zany.
0: Great word. Great word. word.
1: And I came across the word zany as a teenager because whenever I used to write Zane from One Direction
0: <laughs> Autocorrect.
1: My phone would autocorrect yeah. it. Zany.
0: <laughs> that's it's an interesting way to become acquainted with the word. Um then so whenever
1: I look at the word zany, I think of Zane.
0: And then now Gigi Haddad and um Yeah. Child, which apparently is news yeah. this week. I don't follow that type of news. I mean, I'm happy to if people want it. If that's what the people want, um, we can start we'll following about it. it. Yeah. Maybe
1: one gorgeous baby, though. So but I like, already sort of hate
0: it. Zany's a good start, but that wouldn't get you many points on countdown, would it?
1: No. <laughs> Thank you if you're in Scrabble.
0: Like, that's a Rob Beckett or a Rosin word, isn't it? <laughs> Rasheen. Like, Rasheen, sorry. How, uh, get, your Irish, how, get your
1: Irish right, mate. How,
0: how insulting of me. But um, yeah, it's not. it's not. Yeah, it's not going to no. win you a lot of points, but it's a great no. word. It might win you some favours in conversation or social constructs, um, which as a phrase doesn't make me sound like a we'll robot work. at all. We
1: thought we'd have to start. We'll start, we'll start slow. I can't come out of the blocks quickly.
0: Yeah, okay. And then build up to like your nine letters or like your big 12-letter <laughs> words that you, you would whip out in you know when you're talking to someone and people know that you don't actually know what that word means, but you use it anywhere to make yourself sound smart. Like, is that where we're going?
1: that's where we're going i it's not that i don't know what the word means i can't pronounce them
0: i meant uh, the listeners not you i wasn't personally attacking you
1: oh no <laughs> it's fine i just being personally attacked but yes. well, my problem i find my problem is is that it's not that i don't know what it means it's just i just can't remember how to say it
0: yeah true it, look i'm the why same right
1: which is why i write but also as soon as i clock out i forget how to english so
0: i do that i mean i've forgotten how to english since i last clocked out of you know working in journalism which was six years ago so it has been a long time um you know i have a, I have a relationship with with the english language as well and that relationship is quite distant so um either way uh, so zany is the word from jd's dictionary and after that word i think it's time for us to say our final words uh thank you everyone for checking out the first and uh, hopefully not the last of the jd and turner show check us out on twitter at jd and turner show and of course slide into our dms uh, give us a follow and uh, don't forget to subscribe and show us your love i've been Michael Turner, and I've been honoured to have been joined by the excellent JD, which stands for Jessica Dent.
1: Jessica, I'll take that. I'll take that. <laughs> this is how we're going to end the show. I'll take that.
0: This is exactly how we're going to end the show. And look, you know, we might keep we might keep it going. Like, we won't let we won't let the facade drop. People won't even know your last name. You'll go 30 years in the media game presenting shows and radio and TV under, like, Jessica Dent.
1: Exactly. I need to change my, my Twitter. I've got to get on that. We <laughs> can't, change it too, can't change it too much. I'll lose that, you know, that pretty blue
0: verification tick that you oh don't yes have. i was waiting till you you that <laughs> <in>. um <laughs> the verified jd there yeah <laughs> it's a sore point <laughs> well adds credibility and, and that's why you are the more um learned of the two of us and that's why i'm just the one pad filling while you actually get the content out so um but look it's been great to talk to you guys all thank you for joining us jd we'll catch you guys next time stay safe in isolation bye